So, we're now joined by our first guest today. Great, I play Featherstone Rovers and I'm a winger. So, I didn't realise it had been 26 episodes since you've been on. Yeah, I know, it feels like ages. How's your training going? It's, it's going as well as it can, obviously. Can't wait till the date we can actually start training again as a group. Can't wait to get back in the gym. Our S&C coach, um, around personal training, has been working really hard to keep us fit during lockdown. And I think one of the key things has been working to make sure that we don't end up with a load of injuries when we do start training properly and get start getting into contact training specifically. So we've been doing a lot of work on like injury prevention especially. I'm going to say that I'm speaking to other people off the air and away from this at Featherstone, they're all saying the big changes in you. The fact out of everyone, you're the one who's bought into the fitness regime and bought into it all. How has that impacted you then? Well, that's obviously really nice to hear. I mean, I think obviously being a student, it's a little bit easier sometimes to you know, put in all the hours that if you, I suppose if you're doing shift work, obviously that's going to be harder to do. But to be honest, I think the whole team's really started buying in. And obviously the closer we get to the date we can start training, the more excited everyone is to to get back to it and the more motivated we all are to make sure that our bodies are ready to start as soon as we can. Crazy time to be at university. The repeated lockdowns and how are you finding it? Yeah, it's been a bit weird. Obviously not the experience that any of us expected going into uni, but I think with the online lectures and the resources we've got, you know, we're all trying to make the best of the situation and just, yeah, just do as much as we can, do as well as we can. And, you know, try to, like... Some of the societies obviously doing online, online social stuff, which obviously makes us feel a bit more included. But yeah, very weird. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting what you paid for, to say the least. And obviously, I, I, you're young. You're 19 years old. This is the time where you should be experiencing everything, making the most. And you, you. You're not even at university now, you're back at home because things are that crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that sense, obviously, it, it always feels a bit disappointing, but I suppose you've just got to keep remembering that everyone's in the same boat and, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, that light will come this summer. Um, and I know that when things do get back to normal, you know, no one will ever take it for granted again, like, everyone's going to enjoy it to the fullest, so, so just try and keep positive. You're doing a bit of union again at, at uni, or would be, if you was allowed to be. Yeah, so we've got a uni rugby team, and I've been, you know, getting as involved as I can. We had, we were able to have, like, just a couple of training sessions in, like, September, October time before we ended up going back into back into tier three and back into the lockdown um but yeah again i think 
the social aspect and the online socials that the, the club's been putting on have been really good and really helpful just to, you know, actually meet people at uni and meet people who maybe, you know, maybe by the end of this year or even if it's not till the start of next year, you will actually get to meet and, you know, play with and get that bond that you get with teammates. And yeah, I mean, there's also a rugby league team at my uni, which is great. So, you know, I'll be able to get involved with them again eventually. So, yeah, it's all good. Question time. So, you've never had a question time on any of your episodes. Let's put that right. Question number one. Which players, male or female, did you look up to when you were growing up? Well, obviously when I was little, there wasn't really that much of the women's game on the telly. And I didn't actually start playing rugby until I was 14. So, I'd probably say, like, when I first started getting into rugby, I probably looked up to the likes of Kevin Sinfield, Jamie Jones Buchanan at Leeds. Then, for women, I'd probably have to look to Rugby Union, and I'd probably say people like Katie Daly McLean and Emily Scarrett. Question number two. Favourite stadiums to play at? Well, obviously, I've got to mention the Rovers Stadium. I think the atmosphere that we were starting to build before COVID was just awesome. Obviously, we had um, Nats Memorial game there um, about a month probably before we had to lock down. And obviously, it was an emotional game, but the atmosphere and the support we got was just amazing. And that's obviously created like some really good memories at that stadium. Obviously, I'd love to play in like a stadium like Headingley, like I'm from Leeds and obviously I've kind of supported Leeds Rhinos when I started getting into rugby league and so yeah, getting to play if we got to play there one day, that would be absolutely amazing. Um I think one of my first games playing was um away at Bradford and I remember like walking into Oddsall Stadium and that was just really cool. It was like I think it was probably one of the first proper stadiums I actually played in and I remember feeling like yeah this is real this is really cool I will say like the the fact you like you're playing at post office road the fact you're playing at Oddsall it's, mm. it's mega that, that stuff dreams are made of yeah yeah exactly question number three tricky one now your three favourite players to play with? Well, that is a hard one. I think I'd have to say Andrea Dobson because she's an amazing player, loads of experience, really tough. Um, I'd also have to say Jess Hartman. Unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't been able to play with her that much because she was obviously injured in the first season she was supposed to play for us, but I'm really excited to play with her when we do get back to to playing again. Can't wait to have her on my centre. Um, and then I'd probably also have to say Charlie Blackburn, because I've played with her since under-16s, and she's one of my really good mates in rugby. And I can't wait for her to get over the recent injury she's had and to get playing back with us. Obviously, I'd probably say everyone at Bev if I was allowed, but... 
Yeah, yeah throw them in, throw them in. We'll make the rules of <laughs> go longer. Everyone at Fev's in. Le- Les especially. Well, that's about it for this part. Pleasure having you on again. We're going to have to get you some sort of Blue Peter badge for the amount of appearances you've been on. I bet you can't wait to get playing again. Yeah, I'm just so excited to get back playing, get back to uni, get back to normal, get back to playing at Rover's ground. And yeah, I'm just really excited for that. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for always coming on. Thank you as well for coming up with this idea. Because... To big Grace up a bit now and she's going red because I can see her on the, the camera. This whole podcast was Grace's idea. So she's given me this this gift and curse. So when people go, it's a great idea what you're coming for, it's a great thing what you're doing. It was actually Grace's idea. All but what? Probably a year and a half ago, probably a year, 18 months. Till you turned around and went, do you, do you fancy doing this we think it's a good idea so thank you for that is there anyone you want to give a shout out to um just shout out to my mum and dad for you know taking me to training so many times and they've had a bit of a rest taking me to training through covid hopefully they'll be able to get back to doing that soon um but no you take all the credit for this you've put in so much work to make this podcast and it's brilliant Time for our second guest now, and we've got a bit of a local celebrity on the line, so I'm now joined by... <laughs> celebrity? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, hi, I'm Emma Kirk, I'm playing for Wakefield Trinity PDRL, I'm sponsored by RCM Wellness Centre in West Yorkshire. I do various bits and pieces, um, I look at, I look after you know injuries, I treat disability players, I do all sorts of things, um, commentary, journalism, you name it. But I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> I like celebrity though. I'm going to put that as my new tag. <laughs> How did you first get involved in rugby league? Um, I guess it's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> my dad played for uh, Hulk Air, so don't give me uh, any grief for that, thanks. Um, his idols were, you know, um, Clive Sullivan, Stanley Jean, people like this. And um, we kind of grew up watching him play and in a in an environment where rugby is what you did. We lived in a, a town near to Hull. You know, your Sundays were spent doing rugby. And if, if it wasn't your dad doing the coaching, your mum was doing the tea and making the hot dogs. And, you know, that sort of, that's how it happened. And, and yeah, I never played. I never played. I'll tell you a funny story. I wanted to play. I wanted to play for Hull Vixens. Um, my dad was concerned. <laughs> my dad was concerned that uh, the the ladies were um, of, a, of a sexual persuasion that he wasn't so keen on, shall we say? Um, and he wasn't. He wasn't overly keen on me doing that. And obviously, I was spoken to Julia Lee and people like that, and she said, "Actually, Emma, he's probably right." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I spent my time, I guess, watching my brother play, um, watching him like have ambition to get better, to play for Yorkshire, to you know play for school England schools, to play when he was at uni. He got selected for Great Britain. They played against Australia, and, and I and I kind of helped him with his ambition. Um, never expected to play, um, but I have watched it in my entire life. So I, 
for me, it was a bit strange. I was working in media and a friend of mine said, you know, there's a job going for a local radio station who wants somebody to do um, some sports and some commentary. You've got to go for it. You've got to go for it. I was like, no. You know, it's exposure of a a level I didn't want. Um, It's difficult for women in sport anyway in a media environment. So, you know, A, I didn't think I'd get the job, but but it is is a level of exposure I wasn't necessarily willing to put myself under. And then I just thought to myself, you know what, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it, aren't I? Um, So, yes, I ended up kind of... Doing, uh, doing some matches and more from a summary rather than commentary. Um, and I think because of my skill set, I have, you know, different backgrounds that I can comment from different areas. So, you know, I obviously as my main job, I'm a doctor of physical medicine. So when I'm looking at a, a, an injury happening on the pitch, I'm looking at the mechanics of that injury. How has it happened? What's the likely outcome? And then when you're watching the physios doing the tests, I can tell people, you know, that, that test is for this, the test in the anterior cruciate, that's what it's called, this is what it does. And you're giving a different amount of information to what could be a boring and boring silence, really. And then because I've actually watched it a lot, you know, there's that element that you're looking at, it. you know, maybe if I was a player, I wouldn't position myself there. But then playing as well, it's a completely different angle. You know, I'm looking at it from several different viewpoints all at once to provide information to people. And I like to have a laugh. I like to do some, you know, to have a bit of banter because everybody who watches rugby league, you know, whether you're a player in the changing room, whether you're somebody stood on the, you know, on the bleachers, you are somebody who's going to have a bit of banter with somebody else, you know, inevitably stood next year. I'm a commentator who wants to do that same thing. I want to be bringing the atmosphere to somebody else rather than just run-of-the-mill, boring stats, this, that. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I could ever work for the BBC because I will take the mickey. <laughs> or my co-commentator, you know, I'll, I will do that. Which, but, it, but, you know, if you want to listen to the stats, you can listen to BBC. We do something, do something a little bit different in our team. So... Um, that's how I kind of got into rugby league generally, but how I ended up playing was uh, very strange. I actually went to do some interviews for something that I thought was incredibly innovative. Um, my mum had seen in the paper that there was this rugby match, and it was physical disability rugby league, and there was Warrington Wolves versus Leeds Rhinos, and I thought, this is it. This is this is the epitome of genius for me. It's rugby league, but it's disability. Now, I had uh, a spinal cord injury when I was uh, at university. So I'd been through that. I'd had to learn to walk. You know, I've had collapses with it. And I've struggled with pain and disability, which I never like to call myself disabled, but I have struggled with that through my life. So to be able to commentate or interview or talk to people who were not only going through something similar, but were also playing the sport that I absolutely love, it was like an it was just like an epiphany for me. So I went down to the second match, which was um, it, which was actually at Wakefield Trinity, and I was chatting after. You know, I chatted to Hunty, I chatted to quite a few like players who were able-bodied who joined in. And Keith Mason was there and, you know, it was great. It was a great crack. But whilst I was talking to them, 
the, the guy he was managing at the time, Craig Shepherd, was listening to me, to me talk to Keith Mason's wife, who had also had a spinal cord injury and was on crutches. So me being me, was like, what have we done? How can we help you? And he said to me, but you should be playing. And I was like, what? We're not playing. And there's like blokes out there. I just watched them smash each other. He's like, no, you should play. You should play. And what he did was very clever. And, and I, I don't know how he got the measure of me so fast. But what he said to me planted like this seed in my head. And he said, just think about all the women you would inspire if you did this. And I thought to myself, I went away and I was like, nah, I can't do that. I can't do it. It's just not going to happen. And I rang him up a couple of days later and I said, are women supposed to be able to play this format? He said, yes. It's designed so that it's mixed ability. He said, you wear red shorts, which means you're not full contact. And I said to him, right, okay. If I can make it through a training session... I might consider playing. But by that point, like I got to training and the lads who were training were, were really excellent. You know, I was very worried, very nervous, very concerned they might accidentally tackle me or forget to, to not tackle me or something. Um, and by the time I finished that first training session, that was it. I wasn't allowed to leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was stuck <laughs> with, with wearing a jersey. Um, and I remember my first match was actually at Warrington. And we played Warrington Wolves, and it was the curtain raiser for the, a Challenge Cup match against Toronto. And I walked onto the pitch, and I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. It was like the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. Not for, not for anything. I just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, what happens if I mess up? You know what I mean? Like, what happens if someone actually tackles me by accident? I'm going to get squashed by that really massive prop over there. Um, and it was brilliant. And it, it was a really, really kind of historic moment for, for me because I was wearing a Wakefield Trinity shirt, which is where my brother had finished his career. And we both got heritage numbers from the same club, which hasn't been done. And I'm lucky that I'm the only female Wakefield Trinity player who has a heritage number. You know, and to be able to say that, that me and my brother have both got that forever, that for me was amazing. And then, of course, I've gone on to do other things like I was played at Old Trafford, you know, women never played rugby league at Old Trafford. It's, it was, I've done things I never imagined I would do. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> all stems, you put yourself out of the comfort zone, you went for a job, you, it's led on to what you're doing now, so you, we're talking off air. You're doing rugby league commentary tomorrow. Yeah. You're doing yeah. true sports. You're doing true radio. You're hosting. Yeah. You always push rugby league as, as much as you can, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, and I try to I try to do that with all the formats as well. You know, the women's physical disability, learning disability, whatever it is. You know, sport to me is so important, and it's not just about the physical benefits you get from sport is all about the mental benefits as well. And, and, and I think it's important that we're not kind of leaving out areas that, that are doing so much for communities as well. Oh, definitely. It's, it's refreshing to, to see newer, newer formats come up and be successful with it as well. So you, there's a need and there's a want for things. Tying in with that, let's talk about you as a host. You're on the radio okay. all the time. Tell us what you do. 
started actually doing TV. I was a TV chat show host. And uh, I found the transition. Most people go from radio and in, into TV. I did it the other way around. And the transition from having a conversation with somebody where you can see their face and you know what the reaction is emotionally and you can gauge how the conversation's going, translating that to radio where effectively, unless you have a guest sat in front of you, which obviously at the moment we don't because studios are shut, you're blind to that for starts, um, but you're almost talking to yourself, which is very weird. And it took me a long time to get used to hosting my own show, talking to myself. I think I'm hilarious. Other people might just think I'm crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so I do, um, I do drive time now, which is like a prime show. And, and I'm very lucky to have that shot. That shot. I, do, I do appreciate the opportunity that True Radio have given me. Because that, you know, that, that is a, a very lovely show to have. And then obviously on a Saturday, myself and my husband do a show together, which is good music and banter, effectively. Um, and we're the only on-air married couple who do a, a, an actual radio show together. You have some on-air couples, but they're not married. So it's quite unique, really. But we have a good laugh doing it. And, it is and then obviously tomorrow, I'm on True 2 Sport with the with the rugby lads because we've got a pre-season friendly. And I say it like that because no rugby match is ever friendly. Um, and it's Trinity versus Dewsbury. So actually, this week, I am on every single, single day. day. Yeah. yeah, but it's brilliant. I love it. So yeah, you the the Richard and Judy of True Radio, <laughs> <laughs> in a sense. That's a terrible visual, no. <laughs> so, where can people find you guys? True Radio. Yeah. Um, the easiest way I think would be look on the website because. We're on literally every single device, app, um, medium, you know, whatever. But we have two stations now. So Sport and our live out um, events has got so big that we have, we've had to split it off. So we've got our True Station, which is probably music, and then we've got True 2. Now, I'm going to let you into a little secret. We do have plans afoot that may mean that we're increasing that further. So fingers crossed fingers watch crossed. this space but we have podcasts we have road shows we have everything under that um you know that umbrella so trueradio.co.uk all the information's on there and if you're not sure how to bluetooth it in your car our very technical director who's brilliant has actually written you instructions <laughs> <laughs> so there's no excuse <laughs> i'm gonna say like even though a horse is and i can edit a bit and i can I'm the least technical person ever. Oh, I hate technology. I, I hate technology. It's awful. And I and I, I have a radio show. I hate technology. I do podcasts. I hate technology. <laughs> <laughs> I am like the worst nightmare for people. But luckily for me now, I have like I have a guy who edits the podcasts for me. So I just send him it and then go, there you, there you go. <laughs> it's like my dream came true. I was like, yay. So yeah, it's good. It's all good, and we're expanding all the time. So, you know, we've got um, we've got a good relationship with Huddersfield uh, University. So we're looking to collaborate with them a bit more, because um, obviously, we're True Radio is actually a, a radio academy patron, like radio station. So we help their charity to 
to promote radio, which is great, and give people opportunities. Um, and it's also, we kind of like, you know, BBC and Bauer are all in that same level. And, and that's really nice to be able to, to experience events with them. I was on a conference call the other day with Zoe Ball. I mean, what oh. the heck? That was mental. <laughs> I was just like, this is surreal. But for Huddersfield University students, you know, written media, sports, journalism, um, editing, podcasts, all of that is available through us as experience. And it's really nice to be able to give something back in media as well as to people who are listening, which, yeah, it's really good. So that's our time with Dr. Emma Kirk now. We're going to have her back on because there's further announcements and further things going on behind the scenes. So, Dr. Emma Kirk, thank you for coming on. Is there any shout-outs you want to give before you go? Uh, well, um, I, apparently you have a lot of love for my husband, so I'm going to make sure I pass that on to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess really I need to say hi to the... Um, and thank you to True 2 Sports guys. Thank you to True Radio for actually being visionary enough to have the sport on. Uh, Wakefield Trinity for letting me pretend to play rugby, that would be good. And of course all of my teammates uh, who are eager to get back on the training page, if nothing else this year. We're supposed to have a Rugby League World Cup, the PDRL. Um, we're not sure what's happening with it yet, but I'm sure you know some of the guys from Wakefield Trinity will be picked because they're really good, they're really good. So yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I know we're going to have lots more to talk about because, well, we talked forever <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you so our third and final guest today i'm joined by uh, hi there it's uh, danny swain from wakefield trinity um i play prop forward or second row and i'm sponsored by csw process uh, so big thank you to katie and jamie cartwright for that support so where did your love of sports first begin uh, from quite quite a young age, I uh, started playing table tennis. Um, I think my brother probably started playing when he was at school, and because my brother got into it, I kind of got into it. And then there were a local club uh, not far from where we lived, so it all started with that. Obviously, the wrong shaped ball. Um, and then my dad played rugby league, and I think it was probably from watching him play while I was playing in park, just watching him play for hours and hours every weekend. And then I kind of thought, well, perhaps I could give this a go. Um, and then again I think my brother started before me and I think just watching my dad watch my brother play it kind of made me want to to give it a go because I remember watching my brother and my cousin uh, play rugby in the park together and I was kind of cheerleading I I wasn't really interested in rugby at first I kind of wanted to be the cheerleader doing chants for them while they were playing and then I think I turned 15 and I thought yeah let's give it a go so that's where it all started many many years ago So you've been watching for a while before you'd even even started playing, which is the opposite way around to most people do now. Well, if you can call it watching, I think I was too busy swinging on swing and going out roundabout, but yeah, definitely uh, got used to hearing that whistle, watching my dad play. So which was your first team then? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I first started playing for the Bradford Girls under-16s, um... Never dreamt of playing for a different club. Uh, played for Bradford for just short of 20 years before I 
decided to retire. Obviously, my retirement didn't last that long. Um, and then I moved to Wakefield. So how was your time at Bradford? Uh, best years of my life. I've got some of the best friends there. I wouldn't change any of it. Like I said, I had no intention of ever playing for a different club. Um, but you soon get that feeling back. I've, I've got that same relationship now with the Wakefield girls, but um, loved every second of it. So, 16-year-old, 15, 16, going into Bradford Bulls. Was rugby league something you saw yourself doing long-term, or was it just something to do at that moment in time? I don't even know how I started. I, I, it was never a dream of mine, if, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think I kind of did it to kind of prove a bit of a point that I could do it. Like I say, my brother did it. Um, so I kind of wanted to give it a go. Um, and I remember that first training session stood there, you know, being 15-year-old and thinking, oh, I really don't want to be the last one to be picked. And I kind of won. And I remember somebody saying, oh, she looks like she's got something about her. So I thought, oh, perhaps I can do this. Um, and ever since then, I, you know, I've, I've never, I try and avoid missing sessions. I absolutely love it. Um, it sadly sometimes takes over your life a little bit too much, but we do it because we enjoy it. What age did you think, oh, this is something I'm definitely going to keep doing? I'm really, this is for me, this is what I want to do with myself. Um, it, was, it was probably about eight, 18 years old, because I think that's a, a big path for a lot of female players. You know, it's it's a time of your life where, you know, you get introduced to hair and makeup and beauty and false nails and going out. You know, you, you do have a hard choice to make sometimes, you know, do you go out and get drunk on a Saturday or, you know, do you stay sober and, and play to the best of your ability on a Sunday? So I think that was kind of a bit of a turning point for me. I think that was probably the first year I played for Yorkshire as well um, at that age. And then turned, playing for Yorkshire kind of developed into playing for England under 21. So I kind of thought, yeah, perhaps I, I, I can do this. It was like a dream come true. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting you say that, like, you decided to make the sacrifice of not partying every week and putting your rugby first and off the back of that you get your Yorkshire call up your England under 21s mm-hmm. and things really really take off for you there and I, th- I think yeah I think people don't realize how much you guys sacrifice to play for free mm-hmm. oh yes it's a big sacrifice you know I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I was an angel you know there will have been times back in the day when it was part of rugby then you know you did go out get drunk and then turn up and play and then as soon as final whistle went you you know you had a pint again that's how it was but it just goes to show how much you know times have changed like that is so frowned upon now it's just something you wouldn't dream of doing before a game now oh no, no. can you imagine you'd be thrown out of dressing room <laughs> i think we'd be dropped but again it, it just shows how far rugby has, has come yeah we'll get it's a good way and a bad way, but you've kind of spanned all the way in to where we're getting to the, the verges of professional. There's interest, yeah. there's, there's money sponsorship deals come in, and you've gone from being on under-15s all the way through mm-hmm. to you being in a newer team and being, but still being at the top. Fifteen, and you know, two teams would turn up, and, and you know, you used to lend each team players just to try and get a full squad, and you know, you didn't have the kit and the equipment you have now. You played in a local park, and you look at us now, and you know, we're all in matching clothes, and 
you know, players are sponsored and, you know, we're playing in big locations and stadiums. It's just fantastic. Um, I, people say, do I feel like I've missed out? And, and I really don't. I just, I feel like I've been part of that journey of how women's rugby has developed. That's how you got to look at it. Like people will go, will feel like, oh, I can't believe, I wish I were a few years long, younger. I wish, but you go, no, no. If it wasn't for players who put the foundations down, this mm-hmm. would not be happening. Yeah, totally. Because I, I keep saying, I've been, I, I myself have only been watching it about three years. But I've been watching a lot of older videos, anything I can find. And the level's always been there. It's yeah. always been the spectacle. It's always been as good. And it's just now the wider world's seeing it. Yeah, definitely. Whereas, whereas before it was a small group saw it. Or, you know, you had to know to know. Oh, yeah. I, I remember Oh, I, I probably in my early 20s, I think we played a game. Um, we did a curtain raise for Keithley Cougars. And of course, some of locals turned up early to meet with their friends and to have a drink and, and have a chat. And you know, and I just remember that, like, some of the blokes like shaking his hand, saying, "I didn't even know women played." And I'm thinking, how can you not know women have played? Like, I've been playing for over five years. Like, this is out there. Why don't people know it's out there? And they weren't being—I I don't know—they weren't being funny about it. They just genuinely didn't realise that women could play rugby. Like, it was such a good feeling to know that it's—it is getting noticed now. It is. It's. I I can't believe how fast it's gone, but I believe that's come from people back in it going, actually, no, you want to watch this. This is the same, but it's different as well. And now people are jumping, yeah, I mean, jumping on board and going, wow, this is, this is the best thing I've seen. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at the articles that have been out recently with uh, Shona Hoyle and Amy Hardcastle. You know, they're both mums. They're both so committed that, you know, they train daily, they work. They've got house houses to deal with. And, like, just just some of the rugby players out there, I mean, it's incredible how they juggle everything and stay so fit and so committed. Achieve some really good things at Bradford. What, what comes to mind when you think of that Bradford team you were in? Uh, it was just a dream come true, playing with some of them players. Um, and Some of them players are not playing anymore, and it frustrates me. Now when I mention it to younger players at Wakefield, and they don't know who these players are, you know, to me, back in the day, like Lisa McIntosh, she was an absolute legend, and, and people don't know who she is or how she played. I mean, she was she actually our coach at England under 21, so she means a lot to me. But yeah, that... I, I won't change them days. I can't even describe the feeling. It was just just amazing. And every now and then, it, like memories pop up on Facebook, and you know, comments are always same from everybody. You know, dream team, and we won't get them years back. No, it's, you were in a team which pretty much, if you look on, you one to thirteen on your bench, and now you could class every one of them as legends. Yeah, they are to me, but you know, you know, not to everybody. They are. Um, I mean, it was, it was only what four years ago that you were conquering, conquering the domestic scene on all three competitions. Two thousand seventeen, uh, did the treble, set set a yeah. benchmark and a, a stone down. But 
I can't see being touched for a very, very long time because I can't see your team being that dominant. No, it's it, it was a lot of pressure at the time. You know, it, looking back and thinking about it, you know, it brings back goosebumps thinking about it. But you know, there was a lot of pressure and hard work because you know, as we were winning more and more, we're thinking, can we do this? And you know, we didn't even want to concede tries. And then we're thinking, you know, we could actually do this. Um, and yeah, when we did it, it was just unbelievable. It, it really was. Uh, it's one of my greatest memories. Uh, I've got a picture of me and Kirsten Maroney cuddling. Uh, I think after the final, and uh, it was just an amazing feeling. I can't describe it. And as much as I don't want anybody else to do that, I know it would be a great feeling for them if they do. I would like Bradford to be the only ones to experience that, but I would also, in the future, like other teams to do it as well and, and be remembered for that. Cause it's a hard work and commitment. It, it really was. Cause that, that's the first time I really ever saw women's rugby because it was on the news, but you'd done a treble. It was, it got proper, proper coverage and you're thinking, it's only four years ago now, but the way the press is now. Yeah. I'm thinking if you guys had done that this day and age, you'd have been on BBC talk shows, you'd have been, you know, people had gone on Question of Sport, gone on to Sky doing it because a treble in any sport's massive. Yeah, and, and again, you can always think what if, and you know, if they had been doing that, then you know, I mean, just imagine a game like that being on on the BBC or the Sky Sports. But perhaps it took something like that to make people realise that you know women can play and we are there to compete, and that could have been the the, the changer. It's that that's why we are where we are now. It definitely got more eyes on the game. Definitely, definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah. And not just eyes on Bradford, eyes on other teams as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it got eyes on the game. And I think it got a lot of interest. I mean, I do think back then women's rugby probably were struggling. Um, we didn't have a lot of interest. It wasn't really out there in the schools. Um, but, you know, since then, you know, it is out there in the schools. You know, the community are developing it. There's just there's so much interest at the moment. At the minute, from from the women and young girls, um, it, it's brilliant. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd dread to think what happened if we didn't have that interest. At one point, we did think women's rugby were fizzling out a bit. You know, people were more going towards union because at the time, union had more money going into it. Same with football. Um, but it was a real game changer for women's rugby. It really was. It's one of them as well. You go. Look how many t- women's teams are launching now, when girls' teams are launching. And oh, I know. I mean, again, when you were saying earlier, but like, sorry, you were saying earlier, but like, you're under 15, you were trading players to make sure that you could actually play games, and now it's like, yeah, the disadvantages of not having enough players, there will be enough players because there's that much of an interest in it. Teams are having to be created because there's a want and a need, yeah, it's good, it's good that there is such an interest. In- Girls feel hung, hungry to play. I mean, I dread to be a coach now with the size of the squad, having to decide who you're starting 13 hour or who you're 17 hour, and you know, being that person to to drop your dedicated players. But unfortunately, it happens. So you you were you retired at the end of your treble fairy tale ending, walking off into the sunset. What made you turn around and go? You know what? I want one more crack at it. 
I think it was. Um, I think the, the next game, I, I can't remember, I think it was a friendly, Bradford and Leeds played at Oddsall, which of course is a dream come true, Oddsall playing on that pitch for me. Um, I went to support the Bradford girls um, and I was sat there watching it and my legs were jumping with them and my shoulder were going in with them with tackles and I just kind of thought that question at the back of my head was, have I got one more year left in me? Um, but I'd kind of made that my mind up that if I did, it wouldn't be back at Bradford. Like, I completely love Bradford. I've grown up there, um, but I, I had moved over um, to a different area, so... I kind of decided that I wanted to join a local club. Um, kind of got talking. I can't remember who I was talking to at this friendly. Come that evening, I get a phone call from uh, Wakefield manager at the time. I've heard that you fancy playing. What about coming down to us? So, uh, yeah, let's give it a go. Why not? And the rest is history now. I'm, I'm there, settled, and again, loving every minute of it. So, at the time, Wakefield were a championship team. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and another reason why I thought I can come out of retirement and you know not have to compete in Super League, you know, perhaps I did think it were a bit of a, an easier op- option, but the minute I got onto that pitch, I realised it particularly wasn't an easier option. They still ran just as hard and tackled as hard. So, must have been quite a coup for them to pull off a treble winning prop and second row to go from that to sign for them for championship. I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I see. I don't see myself as being like that. You know, I I rocked up at Wakefield thinking, oh, I'm the new girl and I don't know anyone, and you know, and perhaps people did expect a lot of me um, at the time. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm just another player. You know, another player who's going to be surrounded by lots of other great players. So you've gone from winning a treble. You then go to Wakefield in the championship and you start winning. And you keep yep. winning. And you keep winning. And you're gaining momentum, you're getting a bit of press, you're getting How was it? Was was it a case of thinking this was the right decision? I've definitely got something left. Uh, definitely, yeah, because, you know, I, I was ready to retire at the time and I did want to, like I say, finish on that fairy tale ending, but I kind of also felt tired at Bradford. I kind of felt I'd have no more to give there. So I was questioning, had I fallen out of love with rugby? You know, I played a lot of years. Um, but the minute I were there with Wakefield girls, I was like, yeah, I've definitely got this uh, buzz back. You know, it's something that I'd missed and it was a great feeling. So you got your buzz back. Oh, it's one of them like, Oh, I don't need it, I don't need it, I don't need it. You see the match, you see your mates playing, and you're saying you, your legs are itching, your shoulders going. You could have had another fairy tale ending, you got promoted to Super League. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the train yeah. keeps going, you don't keep up, you're like, nah, nah, we'll have a, I'll have another crack, I'll have another dig. Yeah, and after every season, I can hear my mum and dad chirping in my ear, is that it now? Is that it now? No more. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger, and I know that, but I just think, well, I still can, why not? You know, there's going to be one day where my body's not going to allow me to do it. So, well, I still can, and I'm still enjoying it. And perhaps, I don't know, some younger people can learn from my experience, but why not keep going? That brings me on to the next question. Has your role as a player changed with age, experience and being in a newer team? 
No, I, I, I don't think he has. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people, whether I'm captain, a player, you know, in anything I do in my life, I, I just like to bring a positive vibe. You know, even if things are not going well, yeah, okay, we're not going well, but how can we change it? Um, you know, there's always ways to improve stuff. I, you know, I, I, I'm happy to talk about what's going wrong, but then let's put an action together and make that action start working. So no, I, I don't think I, I have changed as a person. It, it's just just who I am, I think. Question time. Which players did you look to, look up to the most when you were growing up? Uh, top of the list has got to be my dad. Um, that's probably why I did start playing some bit of a daddy's girl and wanted to be like him. Um, and then one of the other main ones for me is Lisa McIntosh. She's definitely there at top. I think when I joined, I think with Bradford uh, Thunderbirds, when I did join Bradford, I think she worked coach at time and she's just a phenomenal player, such a good person. Um, such a good all-rounder and then it was a dream come true when she did um, become coach of the England under-21s and we actually toured France and Russia with her so to be able to do that with somebody I look up to would just it would be amazing Question number two what advice would you give younger players? Just have self-belief and keep going um, and don't beat yourself up when things don't go your way you know if you do go for higher level rugby you might not always get the answer you want, but just don't quit and just don't beat yourself up about it. You know, just keep on going and enjoy every minute of it. That's the main thing. Just enjoy every minute of it. And if you are having a bad day, tell your teammates because they become like your sisters. Like, like I always say on this, get three mates for a league. Do. You definitely do. Question number three. Which is or was your favourite stadium to play at? Yeah, that's an easy one. It has to be Oddsall. Um, as a kid, I spent a lot of years uh, cheering on the Bulls, um, never even thinking I'd ever get a chance to even step on there, let alone play on there. You know, I spent many years cheering on my heroes like Jimmy Lowe's and Graham Bradley, you know, to follow in their footsteps and to play on that pitch and... You know, you sit in, in changing rooms thinking, oh, I wonder who sat here and I wonder who got changed here. So, yeah, it definitely has to be a odd solitary, a dream come true. Question number four. If you had one moment on the rugby field, if you there was so, one part of your career that sums you up, which would it be? That's such a hard question. I'd... I'd... I don't even think I can answer that because every single moment has meant so much. It's been such a big part of my life, whether it's winning, losing, scoring, conceding, you know, smashing someone, even getting smashed. It all equally meant so much to me and I'll remember every second of it. So, thank you for coming on. This is the end of the part with Danny. Is there anyone you want to say th thank you to or give a shout out to before you go? Uh, firstly, just a big shout out to you. Thank you for having me this evening. It, it's been good. Um, also, thank you to my partner who supports me in everything I do. Uh, and big shout out to all the, the staff at Wakefield just for making this uh, journey continue. Uh, and bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs>